Amen. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, it's wonderful just to see your face. Um, this is either good news or bad news. You ready? Um, some people, I believe, you know, that we're, where we're going to be in Acts 19 this morning, I think for some of you, you're going to listen to this, you're going to lock in, you're going, hey, this makes a lot of sense, this is great, but this is also one of those messages where if you don't really lock into this and really pull something out of it, if you get lost in this, you may have the chance, there's a little bit of danger that you leave this morning going, you know what, we could have got breakfast, right? So good news for some, maybe bad news for others, but here's the goal um, there's so many places on Sunday that serve brunch. Uh, you came to the 9 o'clock service. Good news, you could probably still make it to one of them after we get done, okay? Um, have you noticed lately, and if you haven't, this is awesome. If you really have not noticed this lately, I applaud you, and I really am curious about the environments that you go in on a normal basis. But have you noticed there just is no shortage of just angry people? Has that slipped past anybody? I mean, is anybody like, really? Is here? Like, present to like 2021 has anybody have you have you taken notice now now here's the thing um and and you can you can go and you can see evidence of this in a lot of different journal stuff a lot of things that are in media that are happening at churches um some of some of um some of this anger and this disagreement and this division is is finding its way into the church and and within the church context we don't see all extra biblical, like outside the Bible things, just the same. And there's such a um, there's such an angst right now that, um, that that really all around we're starting to see the, the 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 some of that stuff. Not not really the the life of a believer connected to believers go out missionally, but it but it kind of creep in and and cause some of this um, some of this disagreement with even within the family of God. Um, this morning we're going to be in uh, we're going to be in three different chapters. Not going to read all of it. Don't worry. Um, I, I know I read slow enough to where you don't want to pace yourself that way. Uh, we're going to read some of these things, and 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 I want to go ahead and tell you this up front. Not going to be in, any of the points that I make today. None of them are going to be as notes on the screen um, because th- this is this is something that I really want to I really want us to be faithful just to the Word of God and what it says. And I found myself, as I kept making notes and making points, I was like, I feel like I'm trying to make the point, and I don't want to make the point this morning. I, I really want us just to look in Scripture, because um, the, the, the advice of Bobby McFerrin is not really panning out right now. You know, just don't worry, be happy. Like, that's, that's not just kind of, it, it's not covering everything right now. Um, so, as we're in here, what we're going to be looking at is, 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 a, is a season of ministry, a season of life, that Paul comes up, and, and I'm going to use the word against, because that's really what it feels like when you read the scripture, comes up against, and has to interact with, and has to absorb some stuff from the culture that's around him, and a lot of this culture shows itself in the form of, um, of a crowd, a mob, a riot, a, an, an angry gathering of people toward, you know, around a, a, a thought, a belief, something and, and, and they're coming with heat, and, and he's got to decide, what do I do, what do I say? And, and one thing I believe is going to be really critical for the next season of just our church in America, because we, we have, we have kind of our things we're dealing with, and, and honestly, in so many ways, we're aware that they don't even measure, it seems like, with some of the things that our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world are dealing with. But, but we are here, and we got to be faithful in this. And, and as things happen, especially culture, media, all that stuff, 
Um, I, I believe it's so important, and, and Acts is up to showing us what did God do through people, in and through people. How do we live with the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us? Because the Holy Spirit is always, and please take notice, the Holy Spirit is always pointing people to Jesus. If, if, we, if, we, if you're ever in a service or anything, and it's like, hey, all attention on the Holy Spirit, that is not biblical. Um, that's not what the Holy Spirit's up to. Holy Spirit is saying, yes, I work, but only to point people to, and magnify Jesus Christ. Because it's in Christ that we're alive. Um, the Holy Spirit is the, is the, faithful, um, the faithful breath that we live with, um, the voice that guides us. So while we're in this today, um, I want to start out in chapter 19. And we're going to be in verse 8 starting out. And, and I, and I want to cover these few verses because this, this, really, this is going to show us a lot about the DNA that Paul has developed up to this point. Now remember, Paul, before he, before he ever jumped into these big missionary journeys, Paul spent about 12 years just learning what it was like to live in culture. Um, he was just working, and he was around people, and he was learning how to share his faith and do all these things. You know, so when we, when we read the New Testament, we read what God does through Paul, mistakenly, some of us will back off and go, it's probably not who I'll ever be. Um, and, and that's not it at all. Uh, really, we're, we're called, all of us, um, no matter what season, no matter where we see ourselves in a position or a title or whatever it is, we're, we're all called to live faithfully close to Jesus um, because he faithfully lives close and in us. So I, I want to just show you kind of a glimpse of kind of what his mindset is, what his, um, what, what his rhythms of ministry and life are. In verse 8 it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months, arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became hardened and would not believe, slandering the way, now the way is what they called Christianity. It's what they called Jesus followers. Um, they, they, they weren't called Christians at this point. In fact, um, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, when, you, when, you look, when you study the early church, for us, it's not uncommon to see somebody that has a necklace. If, there, if there's going to be a Christian symbol on that necklace, what, what do you suppose that it likely will be? A cross. They would never have worn a cross. Never. Because for them, crucifixion was about guilt. Crucifixion was this horrifying act that the Roman government had invented to, to, to do capital punishment with. Um, the, the fish was an early sign, um, branching off of Jesus' um, desire to train his followers to be fishers of men. Um, there was so much done around um, this, this creation of fish and bodies of waters that Jesus did. This was adopted. Uh, they were called the way, and, and what we see is, is as Jesus told his followers that I am the way, the truth, the life, um, they, they saw Jesus not as um, kind of something they checked in and out of on a weekly basis, but, but Jesus was the way of their life. He was the way they made decisions. He was the way that they had conversations. He was the way that they had meals and ate and socialized and, and preached and taught. Um, he was the way that they believed. They, he was the way that they had a relationship with a mighty and perfect and a holy God. They were slandering the way in front of the crowd. He withdrew from them, taking the disciples and conducted discussions every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Now, I tell you this because in this short section of verses, it looks like, if we're not careful, it looks like that what we may, we, we may supposed to draw to this is, okay, Paul got some opposition. People started slandering, um, speaking against, not, not just mocking, but, but looking to discredit 
this, this whole Jesus movement. And they just, they got vocal, they got loud. And, and, and here's the thing, any time a movement, a mob, a riot, a, a, a forceful thought of politics or economics or social justice or whatever, anytime something starts, every belief is looking for a crowd. Every belief is looking for a crowd. Because in this world, it's kind of, I think, generally held, not many people just wake up in the morning and be like, you know what, I can get it all done myself. They realize, I need help. I need, I need people around me. This is, not the, this is not the mountain that I feel necessarily brave enough to stand on by myself. Well, when Paul met this opposition, he does move locations, but he doesn't change his message or mission. And you're going to hear me say message and mission a few times this morning. I, I believe as a, as, a, as a family of God, Jesus is our message and people are the mission. Um, if, if we are communicating gospel truth, and, and we're doing that going after people and working with people and, and, and reaching out to them, then, then we are in a rhythm of faithfulness. Now, for, for Paul here, he needed to move, move locations. I, I believe one of the reasons why we could see that this is a logical move is because as Paul is reasoning with people, as, he is, as people are, are, are coming into faith in Jesus Christ, they are young in their faith. So, so they're hearing Paul teach the gospel. They're hearing him teach this way of Jesus. And then they got somebody just yelling at them and angry and slandering it. And for somebody new in their faith, that's super dangerous territory because it, you're grasping onto the thing that sounds like it's most reasonable. And sometimes the gospel, if we're, I mean, sometimes we really look in the Bible, does it sound like the most reasonable thing? But no, the most reasonable thing says, hey, like live for me, make my life good. And, and throw all my resources on that. Double down on family life and, and, and time and, and wealth and all the stuff I can accumulate. But, but the gospel calls us into generosity and, and, and all, these, all these missional ideas that, that don't always sound perfectly reasonable, especially to somebody that may be young in their faith. So, so he, moves the, he moves the location, but the message and mission stay the same. And, and ultimately, Paul knew in that moment he was not going to win the day over these angry voices. That wasn't his primary focus. But look at the outcome as his faithfulness continued. It wasn't in that day that you see this effect, but it says that he withdrew from them, taking the disciples, and he conducted discussions. In other words, he, he conducted, he, did, you notice, he didn't just teach, he conducted discussions. Paul wasn't shy about the, the faith that he could discuss and hear ideas and, and, and trade stories. He, he wasn't bashful about making this a participating growth journey. He wasn't just, here, here's what you got to believe. Take it home, put it in your lunchbox, get out of here, right? It was, it was, let's talk this through. Let's reason. Because the gospel has reason. True, all truth is worth discussing. If someone won't discuss the truth, it's probably not truth, right? Or it may not be truth to them. But it says that he does these discussions every day in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. That, that shows the faithfulness. Then went, this went on for two years. And what's the result of this over time? that all the residents of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of God. That's the success story. And I think a lot of us, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for where's the win? Where's the win? And when we're dealing with a message, an organization, a, a movement, a mob, a right, like, when we're dealing with some of the things that we see out in culture, we're still thinking, what's the win? And sometimes we make mistakes and we trade off what feels good that's really not a win. Right? 
And, and, and sometimes that can come through just like, all right, I'm going to vent, boom, there it is on social media, cut it off. I'm not going to read my responses and all that stuff. Like, that, that may feel good that we got it out, but I think we rarely, if we're, if we're really evaluating honestly, do we see wins and that kind of thing because there's, there's, not, um, there's not a chance for, for us to be hurt. You, you do know in communication, if you, ever, if you ever just run up on difficulties in communication, it's proven studies go generation after generation Communication, as if you look at it as 100%, and if you've heard me say this, uh, just like don't, don't make a face, it might distract somebody near you. Um, 65% of communication um, is, is nonverbal. 65 is just nonverbal. It's the stuff that people just see on our faces and everything that's going on. Seven, only 7% is words. Just seven. Leaving 38%, you know what 38 is? It's our tone, like how we say it. Okay, see, now you're like, that's why I want to smack my kids. Yeah, exactly. Don't smack them. I mean, you know, we'll talk about that later when we're off camera. Okay, so those are the things that shows that Paul is not closed off to people. Um, he, he's, he's in for faithfulness, and faithfulness, um, it, it, when, when it's gospel-centered, takes hold, and, and, and it gets things done. We, we see results. We see the win over time in that. Now, um, after this, after this, if you continue reading in, in, ver- in chapter 19, it gets crazy. And when I say crazy, it says that God starts working miracles through Paul. And, and, and the kind of miracles that he's working is, is so incredibly strong. Um, there are physical healings that happen. And, and people started thinking. And, and this was not, I mean, this really looks like it's just kind of a, an idea that came up. That, that people recognized that the power of God was so real in Paul's life and so many miracles were happening that they were like, you know what, we can't get to Paul, but if we can just get to something Paul touched. And they were taking strips of cloth, things that we would call a handkerchief, and, and they would take that and they, they would just lay that on someone and the power of God was, was coming through in such a real way that healings happened even then. And I know for some of us that grew up in super traditional legalistic Baptist churches, that gets scary, Right? Like, we're like, whoa, you can't do that kind of thing. The truth of God's word says that this is the mighty working of God's hand in this way. And, and, and it got to such a real point that people then even just, they, they started um, dabbling in. And, and, and there were some really not, not, not um, there were some people that were lost. They, they, they were religious, but they were lost. They started even trying to use the name of Jesus um, in miracle works and they, they saw it, they heard about how Jesus' name was accomplishing so much. And, and, and man, they, they tried to go in and, and get some demons out of people. And it got real tense because those demons were like, yeah, we know who Jesus is. We've heard of Paul, but who are you? And, and they attacked them. And they barely escaped with their life. And it, and it says in this area, there was a radical shift in just the respect for the name of Jesus and how it can be used and how it can be spoken towards what ends spiritually. Okay, so you, you think about this is this is all what's going on. You're thinking, man, surely, I mean, if you're I mean, this is what I would be thinking, man, surely, God, if you are working this clearly, everybody's going to jump on board with this. Everybody is going to fall in line with this. But here's what we know. At some point, the gospel always comes face to face with culture and, and they don't always find agreement. One of the biggest groups of people that were coming to Christ were, were people that practiced magic and dark arts. And during this time, as they were coming to Christ and they were starting to live, um, learn what it meant to live for Jesus with the Holy Spirit in them, they were convicted that they still had these books that, 
that taught those practices in their homes, okay? Now, um, a, a prompting came up that they said, we, we, we want to get rid of this, but we don't want to give this to someone to, to perpetuate that, that education, that study, that pursuit. So they gathered together, and, and they started bringing them to one central place just, just to burn the books. Now, to burn a book in this day and age, books were incredibly expensive. They were super valuable. And it says specifically in Acts 19 that, that the, the value was 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, I try to do the math on this, and the math on this is really tricky because um, a, one piece of silver, a drachma, represented a day's wage, okay? But we also know that a drachma was about four and a half ounces, but it wasn't pure silver, so it's about 4.05 ounces of silver. So when you do the math on this, you can do it in like today's value of silver, if you're just curious of what that is. That comes out, I think, and I don't remember exactly, but because it's been a couple weeks since I did this, I think it's about $38,000, somewhere in there, a little bit over. Um, but, but if you consider what the average American makes as a day's wage, and you multiply that times 50000 that number's super big. That's like $11.8 million, right? So I don't know between $50,000 or, or $38,000 and, and, and $11.8 million. I don't know what the value of these books were. But, but even if you go to the low side, um, it, it's a significant sign that people said, hey, listen, e- even, even, even instead of exchanging for money, I'll just choose to just live for Jesus and, and just let this, let this die, Okay. So this is all what's going on. So you see now, all this, all right, when, you, when you hear that story, I, I hope you start to see how, how gospel change in people's lives starts to confront culture. Culture is going to change when you have that many people that practice something spiritual, something spirit-involving, demonic-involving. You're, you're going to see culture, um, a culture conflict, okay? Paul, um, in verse 21 in, in chapter 19, it, it just... It, it begins this way. It says, after these events, okay, so that's a big summary statement, but after all these events, Paul, and I, I want you to think about this, this phrase for a second, okay, Paul resolved by the Spirit. If you study just the original language on this and the wording, this is not, he just woke up and was like, awesome, man, I just got a message from the Holy Spirit, just like it got delivered in my inbox. It was simple, straightforward to the point. I didn't even have to wonder what God was saying to me. I just received it. You may think that that's how certain people get their messages from the Lord. It's a struggle for all of us. <laughs> if, if, if you think that just really getting clear word from the Lord often um, is, is easy, it's not, right? I mean, can we agree on that? I mean, maybe, maybe I'm just the only one that's really not you know, spiritually mature in the room, but, but, but it's, it's tough sometimes to really know and have confidence of what the Lord has spoken to us about. So Paul, over some period of time, through really seeking God's direction, receives it. And, and, and I'm just going to tell you what it is, because, because this direction is not going to, it's going to sound like travel plans. It's going to sound like an agenda. But this is hugely significant for what we'll see over the next few minutes. It says, after these events, Paul resolved by the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem after um, I've been there, he said. It is necessary for me to see Rome as well. After sending to Macedonia two of those who, have, who assisted him, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. I want to I make this point. Getting direction from the Holy Spirit is critical for all we don't know yet. It's so 
vital for, and you may say, well, that doesn't quite make sense. Just hang on to that statement for a second. It's so vital for everything we don't know yet. All these places that Paul went, it was, you, you'll start to see it's exactly where the Lord wanted him to go, but I don't think he ever would have dreamed that how he got there was what he wanted to have happened. And, and there are times where, and, th- and I always caution myself in this, if, if you ever have a conversation with somebody, and they come up to you and they go, you know what, this, th- I'm, like, I'm going to do this. And, and, and there's not really a season of really like, digging in with the Lord to make sure that, that, that what that is is a faithful thing. If, if, if you, when you have conversations with people, and it's, it's, we're making decisions as a reaction always, always, everything's a reaction to other things, that's not seeking the Lord really nearly soon enough. Like we've got to, as believers, we've got to realize that the Lord will speak. He will speak and give us the, some of these direction lanes in life to say, hey, listen, I do want you to go down this because the, the journey that we experience on that road to that place may not always be the easiest thing. That's why he wants to give us confidence in advance. You may say, hang on a second, I thought the Lord wanted me to go here, 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 and it did not pan out. Or did it? Maybe if I, you or I knew that was what was going to happen, we never would have gone. Maybe we haven't seen all what the Lord is still doing with that yet. I mean, right, it's possible, right? I mean, like, if, I mean, because if God's got a plan, and, and, and he, took, he took generations, as it shows us in Matthew chapter 1, by the way, the first chapter that you're going to read when you sign up for D-Life, um, but, but even in Matthew chapter 1, he shows his faithfulness over generations, and if he did it over generations, maybe, maybe, my, maybe my full understanding experience hasn't finished yet. So he, he has this travel plan, and, and then some things, even staying, gets a little rocky. I want to read this to you as we continue in chapter 19. About, um, about that time, there was a major disturbance about the way. If you're a Star Wars fan, that does not mean, that's not supposed to be translated, there's a major disturbance in the force, Okay. There's a major disturbance in the way for a person named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, provided a great deal of business for the craftsmen. When he assembled them, as well as the workers engaged in this type of business, he said, men, you know that our prosperity is derived from this business. You see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this man, Paul, has persuaded and misled a considerable number of people by saying that gods made by hand are not gods. What? Like, if, if I'm in this meeting, right? I, like, I'm, this is kind of a business meeting. And, and, and you're going to see where a lot of, um, a lot of movements begin. A lot of, um, a lot of angry culture. Where does it get its start? It, it typically starts with motives that are selfish. Okay? It starts with motives that are selfish. And then when selfishness needs a crowd... It's, it has to get more general. It has to get, it has to get more broad for more people to be able to come under that umbrella. Okay? And, and you're going to start seeing in, in this and another situation. See, this is, a, this is a great thing for us to be aware of because you're going to see in a second how, where, where Paul's focus really was. But, but there's, there's always a message and a method. All right? There's, there's always a message. And, I'm sorry. There's always a message and a mission. Right? Like, what are, what are we really about? And, and how are we going to get that done? What, what, what is that, that, that meaning, that purpose, what is it motivating us to do? And in this moment, you start to see where the roots of it are. 
this guy says, hey, listen, this is going to hurt our pockets. This is their culture, this Artemis worship, this goddess that, that they worship for, for a lot of different reasons, fertility and for prosperity and all these blessings that they want to receive. This was a big deal, and it was, it was about economics. I mean, if you wanted these blessings, buy this statue. That make, that's economics. And, 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 and again, the gospel comes into conflict with this because why? It, it says, hey, um, I don't know what the going rate for that idol is, but, but if I'm just sharing my Jesus story with you, um, God says this is for free. It may come with some transformation that may feel like there's a lot of cost, but, but, but what you're spending out of your pockets, you can actually leave in for a snack with the kids later, right? Like spending it at Chick-fil-A, like it's keep it because this is free. So when, when you see this come up and, and you see it, it's not rational to believers, right? It's not rational. The, the thing about the statement, he has the, this Paul, he has the audacity to say this, this thing that I created with, with, with my mind and my hands and, and my know-how I created this thing. He has the audacity to say that it itself is not a God. We would say to that, um, excuse me, sir. Um, I know that you're really proud of all your abilities, um, but remind me again, what kind of God is worth worshiping if you can make it in your backyard? Like, that's what we would say. I mean, like, those of us that said, like, we worship the God that made the backyard. Like, it was nothing, and he made it, right? Like, that, that and we would argue that, and we would say, like, the, the God that we worship cannot be made. At no time did God ever create a symbol, even back in the Old Testament with a temple that says, this is me. He created a place that his presence could dwell because he, he is God. He's worth falling on our face for. Not just going and saying, hey, I need you today. Like, he, he's worth it all. That's the God that we serve. And, and, and we would argue that, but remember, we talked about it last, it's the difference between a mindset that is saved and redeemed and being saved by the Lord and a mindset that is lost and doesn't know him. It's a different set of expectations. This meeting, while for us as Christians, and, and you, you, you know Jesus, you're like, well, that doesn't even make sense. It made sense in that room because they were feeling that effect. They feared the effect. This is not only... Do we run a risk that our business may be discredited? Okay, that remember, all right, so we're getting ready to broaden. We're getting ready to broaden to bring more people into this. Not only do we run that risk, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be discredited and her magnificence come to the verge of ruin. The very one all of Asia and the world worship. In other words, here's, here's where it got bigger. All right, we're, we, we're going to get some people rallied around us. Hey, this is not just about our business. We're not just thinking about ourselves, right? We're, we're thinking about the embarrassment and the spiritual loss and, and, and just the mockery that will come for all of us. Okay, so they just kick the doors wide open that anybody can now join the movement. Now the movement can be as big as momentum will carry it. <clears throat> Then it says, when, when they heard this, they were filled with rage and began to cry out, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed all together into the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and, and Aristocras. Um, they were Macedonians who Paul traveled as companions. If you ever wonder, <clears throat> and I would even cost you towards this, even within the, the realm of faith, the realm of the church, um, that we say that we're a part of um, where the Lordship rests in Jesus Christ. Anytime you see something and you see evidence of someone rushing, there, there's panic and there's confusion, those are not signs that the Spirit is leading, right? 
Um, you, you may experience a movement of God, and you may go, I didn't expect that. Okay, fair. You may go, I, I, don't, I don't know that I quite understand that. But, but, but confusion and panic, rushing, is, is not, are, are, are not things that we see and go, hey, man, I bet you God's really in control of that. They are submitting to God on that. So we initially need to at least go, okay, well, let's, 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 let's have caution, okay? Let's have caution. Now, here's the heart of Paul. Although Paul wanted to go in before the people, the disciples did not let him. Even some of the provincial officials in Asia who were his friends sent word to him, pleading with him not to venture into the amphitheater. Some were shouting one thing and some another because the assembly was in confusion and most of them did not know why they had come together. like you, you, th- you think, man, like all the signs say, what? Like, you pe- like everybody doesn't even know why you're there. Why are you so angry? It's because God's not, God's not the authority. I mean, he, he's not the one that, that, that's the motivator of it, right? It, it's, it's sinful desires, and that's what breeds confusion. That's what brings this panic. But what's Paul's heart in this? Now, Paul um, it, and this is a great, I think, a great plug because so many times, if, if, if you haven't figured it out yet, so many times in Acts we're running into these situations where it's like, hey, somebody wanted to do this, but then somebody else discouraged it or they held them back from it. See, beauty of the Holy Spirit. In, in any moment, in any moment, especially a heated moment, it is going to be difficult in that moment necessarily always just to know what God wants us to do just, just right then. This is the beauty of, of, of godly counsel and godly people that are around you. I can't tell you, I can't tell you whether or not, um, whether or not either of these was the perfect decision. But I do know that if, that if, that if God, if he ordained Paul to go in front of that group, then, then he would have gone in front of the group. I, I believe that with all my heart. So what we see is, is that in, in this moment, what was Paul's heart? I want to go, and the, and the word there is demos, and it, it's, it's not just, it's not I want to go in front of the movement. It's very much, it's the individual people that are part of this big collective group. That's what that word means in the Greek. And, and so Paul's heart is the, the people, the people, the people. He, he sees where they're, they're, they're off spiritually. He sees where they're, where they're serving pride and sin and they're struggling. And he sees the hurt and the anger. And he doesn't want that for them because he knows that's not what the gospel purpose is for their life. And he wants to go in front of them. But through other people that have the same Holy Spirit that Paul has, there, there's, there's decisions, there's coming together, there's quick conversations. And, and what's the result of what they did? The result of what they did was, was what we see is we see that there's peace among them and we see Paul continuing faithfully in Jesus being the message and people being the mission because there's, there's more and more opportunities that he receives out of this. Now, what, what I do love is, is that because of Paul's faithfulness and because of the faithfulness of these people, what I do believe one of the fruits is, is that they were able to hear from the Lord. Okay, and and for me, and I don't, I don't know about you, but if you're ever in a season where you're like, you know, I want to hear from the Lord, um, it, it is much more difficult. And we've talked about this in, in, in past months when, when sin is built up in our lives. That is a that's a wall, a barrier there that's really hard to hear the Lord through. Okay, so so the more faithful our lives are, when sin is when sin is out of our life, we're really seeking Him. We're we're studying our the Word, and we're 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 we're, we're giving Him our decisions. It's so much easier to hear from the Lord. Um, and, and sometimes I think it's a reminder when we, when we live through these panic moments and these, these, these crazy times in life um, to, to, to know that, hey, Lord, I can hear from you right now. It's such a motivator 
to be faithful in our walk with Christ and to deepen our relationship with other people that are pursuing the same thing as we reach out to those that, that even aren't. Now, as we follow this, um, great, great kind of add-on with this. What, number one, um, you see um, an example. Have you heard the term cancel culture? Have you heard that term? So, so cancel culture basically is just this desire of some cultural movement or some group to go, I, you know, I don't want to kind of let this other message continue. So they either just override it with louder noise or, or through their control, um, they, they just push it away. Now, in fairness, anybody can practice cancel culture. Christians can, non-Christians can. Like, it's, like everybody can practice that. <clears throat> but we see it in this, if, if, I'm not going to read this instance because I think there's something even greater to see that follows it. Um, but we see it pop up here in multiple places in this section. The, the great thing is, if you keep reading at the end of 19, there is a civic um, leader in this area, probably, most likely not a believer, not a Christian. There's very little chance of that. He is the one that speaks up and actually brings law and order and organization to the craziness that's going on. You go, hang on a second. This just seems odd that this is the person that, 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 that is there and speaks up at that time. It does seem odd if we doubt that God is sovereign and provident over everything, in this plan, over everything on this planet. Sovereign means that God has the right and the authority to do what God knows needs to be done. Providence is, is that he has this, this unifying mission and purpose that he does it for. So what can God do? I mean, what does it mean to trust the Lord? Trusting the Lord means even, Lord, if I see someone in, in an office, in a position of leadership, and I know that maybe they don't, I, I doubt very seriously they seek you, just the fact that it's happened, I can't doubt that you can use even them in that position to serve your purpose. Now, that's trusting. Because if you're anything like me, I'm like, mm -mm, I don't like this situation because this didn't go the way I think it ought to have gone. And it, and it really brings me back to, okay, Lord, well, how much do I trust you? If it, do I trust you even to that extent? Um, as you go through chapter 21, uh, one of the things that happens is, is that Paul comes back to, he's, going, he's now on his way back to Jerusalem, okay? And, and on his way back to Jerusalem, he has this real eerie, I mean, it, you talk about something that would kind of creep you out. Um, he, he, he meets this group of people, and there's a prophet there that, that does this. He basically takes Paul's belt, and he wraps it around his own wrist, and he stands there in front of Paul with his wrist bound, and he looks at Paul just dead in his eyes and says, um, they, this person that this belt belongs to, and of course that's Paul, so it's kind of like, what you could have just said my name. But, but he said, the person that this belt belongs to is basically going to be taken captive this same way in Jerusalem. So what do his followers start to go? Man, maybe we shouldn't go to Jerusalem, okay? But, but notice, now here's where the conversations take a different shift. Going to Jerusalem is something that, 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 that Paul has already gotten direction from the Holy Spirit on, okay? So Paul says, okay, in this moment, this, this isn't the same scenario as back there. I've heard from the Lord on this. He's, he's, he's confirmed it in me. Just threatening news doesn't mean don't go. It means, okay, now I know a little bit more about what to watch out for, what to be prepared for. He goes into Jerusalem. He meets with a council. Now, this is what happens multiple times with Paul. He goes back and he meets with this church council, okay? Uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus, is very involved at this point. And, and as he meets with this group of people, he presents what God is doing in the kingdom with these Gentile, these non-Jewish people who are coming to faith in Jesus. And it's this, it's, this is like, 
church has always been crazy. There are some crazy things, weird things that happen in church. There's some stuff that happens in churches, and you look back and you're like, this don't even make sense. Like, why is this happening this way? Why are we having meetings this way and doing this thing and doing this way? When I, when I first became a deacon um, at a church, um, and, and, and we're getting ready to do communion one time. You know where communion was, was prepared? I didn't know this. I had taken communion there for years. And I, I, so I'm on the deacon. And where they said, okay, prepare communion. You know where they got it together, like where they poured the juice and like got everything in the baskets? The men's bathroom. Like, what in the world? Like, you have got to be kidding. And, and, of course, you know what? I was like, okay, I've got to be the guy. I've got to be the voice of reason now. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak up because, Lord, this is my moment right now. This is what you've prepared me for all my life. Right now, I've got to speak up against this. I did. I made, like, they thought I was crazy, but we never did that again. And I look at that, I'm like, this is, there is always crazy, weird stuff in church. They go in there. There's clear evidence that God is working in these people's lives. Yet they go before a group of people that go, Okay, we're willing to approve that. Man, who are you? Really? And I mean, honestly, that's probably a question that needs to be asked in church more often than not. Who are you to say this? Who are you to decide this? Who are you to say that you can and can't and won't and will? And I'm like, hmm. So he, they, they come up. And, but here's, here's the thing that happens. They tell Paul, they say, hey, Paul, there's some people that have hurt. There's some people. And, and they're described this way. They are zealous for the law. By that description, we don't know if they're really saved or not. Well, all we know is they are serious, hardcore fanatics over all Old Testament law, which Paul knows is fulfilled in Christ, that we don't have to serve that law. We need to live for Jesus. But they're not getting, and that's one of the biggest issues with this group of people, what we see. The evidence of conflict is really rooted in a lack of discipleship. A lack of spiritual growth will always birth problems. And sometimes in churches and, and lots of places, we're, we're, we're trying our best. We're wearing ourselves out being problem solvers when what we should have been all the time was disciple makers. I mean, half the time I look at things that go in my life and go, hmm, would I be, would I be dealing with this if I had just made a better disciple? If I'd have been more, I mean, like if, if, if that person was, was farther along in their spiritual growth, would I be dealing with this? Would I be struggling with the sin that I'm struggling with personally if I was farther along in my spiritual growth? Probably not. Probably not. So there's four guys that are mentioned, and they're about to take this Nazarite vow. Now, a Nazarite vow was very significant in the Old Testament, um, but the Nazarite vow was temporary. There were certain things you were supposed to abstain from, um, and, and at the end of the process of kind of committing to this, you were, go, you were supposed to go get your hair cut because after that it was not supposed to be touched, okay? So, so Paul, they, they tell Paul, they're like, hey, you know what? These peer, people that are so serious about the law that think you're just like a, a religious renegade, um, we really need to build a bridge here, right? Like we need, to, we need to kind of make sure that everybody knows that we're all on this, like we're universally all for the same things. So Paul, here's what we think you ought to do. We think you ought to go and kind of purify yourselves because you know you've been around those Gentiles and, and go through that process. And, and, and then, Paul, if you'll go and pay for their haircuts, this will be a good sign that everybody will know that you're really on board with their passions and their things in life. You know, look, it's a dangerous thing when as believers we go, you know what, I need to do this thing, I need to have this conversation. But if, if our main motivation is I want to prove to you, I want to prove to you that, 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 that we can relate to each other, 
that's a dangerous pursuit. Because at the end of the day, if people don't want to hear, and, and so many times the, the crowd literally would cover theirs, if they don't want to really hear the word of God, the gospel, gospel truth, if they're really going to oppose that directly, the fact that we kind of made some kind of compromise offering up front, that's got to that, that's got to make people angry, right? For me to kind of do something that makes them feel like, okay, I'm, I'm more relevant this way and, 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 and kind of like push back the truth of the Word of God and what it may say, if I do that up front, someone that's lost would probably be very frustrated with dealing with me because they're like, well, like wh- where did this change come from? You came in the room all smiling and saying that you agreed with us on all these points, but now you want to bring up this whole other perspective? I'm sure that probably does frustrate them. Well, Paul goes and, and he... Well, I'll I'll read this part to you. It says, So the next day Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification of days when offering uh, would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the providence of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is a man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. So in other words, where, where did it start? Some people initially, they just said kind of our, our, our first message was we, we're hardcore religious fanatics. But then they kicked it open and said, hey, they're, they're really against all, his guy's really against all worship and all churches and everything. Like he's just against all of us. Let's go get him. You see how the, the, the mob mentality works, how all this stuff starts? So they rush him, they capture him, they do all these things. Now here's one of the craziest turns of events. Um, and, and there's so much that there's another example of, of, of cancel culture in here where they just, like, they, they just silence people. There's so many things that are happening. There's, there's evidence. If you keep reading down in verses 30 through 35, it talks about the confusion and the rushing again and, and how people um, were on one message versus another. But, but here's what's so great to me. Verse 37, it says, As he was about to be brought to the barracks, Paul said to the commander. Now, the commander would have been, the can- commander would have been Roman, Right? This, this is not a Jew he's talking to. And he says, am I allowed to say something to you? Now, I'm, I'm breaking this down because we're reading all of this in English, and we lose the nuance of what's really happening here. He says, am I allowed to say something to you? He replied, the commander replied, you know how to speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started to recall, um, started a revolt some time ago and led 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness? Total, like, no, not Paul at all. Total confusion. Totally somebody else. Paul said, am I, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus of, of Sicilia, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. After he had been given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned his hand to the people where there, um, where there was a great hush. He addressed them in Aramaic. See, this is so cool to me because... When, when Paul looks back at his life, and, he, and what he does at this moment is he shares Jesus as his message to a group of people that, that are angry, that, that, are, that, that, that do not like him. But, but Jesus is the message, people are the mission. And, and here's how it happens. He speaks to a Roman guard in Greek because he was a Roman citizen. He was born a Roman citizen. He learned Greek as a young boy. He spoke that language. But he was bilingual because he was also a Jew, so he spoke Aramaic. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's like God had built him with this voice within him that, was, that, that could speak two different languages just for a moment to be able to share the gospel and present Jesus to other people. 
And, and Paul could have looked at his lifestyle and said, God, like, it, why did I grow up so, 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 so in such a crazy, twisted culture that I had to feel like I, I, I had citizenship to this, to this group that I hated and, and then and who I became religiously? I, I had hatred in my heart for these new Christians here. Like, why did I grow up? Why did I have to go through all that? And, and, and God right now scripted said, hey, th- this, is, this is where it was leading all along because you could speak Greek here to, to, to slow down this process. And then you could speak to the people in their tongues so that they could hear you. Now, the whole time, the whole time, um, the whole time, um, I wish I could say the end of the story is Paul radically changed culture. He presented the gospel and it was just, it was all okay. That's not what happened. In fact, at the point in Paul's message, if you go to chapter 22, and I think I might even have this verse, I might have this verse in my notes. Um, when you, when, you go, um, when you go to the end of his message, he's, he's explaining how he was saved by Jesus, and then he's telling the people how Jesus sent him, changed him, and sent him on mission. At the point that he said, Paul says, he said to me, that's Jesus said to me, go because I will send you away to the Gentiles. That's basically, hey, this is the life-changing life call that, that Jesus placed on me. At that point, this is the reaction of the people. They listened to him up to that point. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. A cancel culture move, right? Just, just silence the message. They were appalled because when Paul got down to, here's, here's what life change meant for me, the people that were in the audience did not want to listen to the life change. Okay, so, I mean, I know that's, it's like a whirlwind of stuff, this one, right? It's a lot of stuff, just, just. I told you, some of y'all are like, he was right. Should have gone to breakfast, right? And on the way out this morning, you can just look at me and go, biscuit. That's all I need to hear, and you just, just you let me know. That was a little bit more than what I want to hear, and, 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 I, and I want to trade it off. But, but here's, what I, here's what I want you to think of with me this morning, because um, I, don't believe, I don't believe that the, that the answer for us as, as God's people is to say, you know what? I'm just going to stay away from culture. I'm going to avoid it. Because in so much of culture is where lost people live and exist. And, and if we don't go to where they are, and we don't have discussions, and we don't have conversations in spirit-led ways, then, then we're shortchanging the kingdom of what we could experience it for. Okay? All right, so if, if, if pushing culture off, if, push, if pushing even angry people off isn't the ultimate answer, do we, do we 100% just go all in, and that's our environment 100% of the time? Well, no, because as believers, we're, we're supposed to be rooted in Christ, but also deep in relationship with other people. If, if we don't get poured into, we'll never be able to have enough to pour out. So we have to, we have to be in both environments. Home is where we're equipped, and our work is where we go out and pour out. But I want to I mention a couple things. Um, number one, uh, first step of what we saw this morning, because we, we went through a lot, I know. First step, we saw Paul just simply living faithfully and serving the kingdom. He was just in the practice of making disciples. And, and because he was tied into that, he was more able to resolve direction with the Holy Spirit. He was more able and more prepared to get some direction in life um, now, uh, he didn't get the whole thing. He didn't get all the details. Remember, when, the, when, when God's Word says that the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet, a light to your path, those lamps were those small oil lamps, and they would have shown the, the next few steps, but it didn't show the whole journey. 
start to finish. So, so we have to have healthy expectations for what God will reveal to us and what he won't. But, but, but God, I believe, wants to set us on a, on, a, on a course so that we don't back off of it so easy, okay? He was, he was resolved in the, in the direction that he received from the Holy Spirit. Following that, he was able to see the crowds. And I had a professor in seminary say this one time, and, 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 and I heard this echoed when I studied this. He, he said, you know what, one of the most understudied um, what the, one of the most understudied uh, people in the Bible, as far as like if you if you want to look at well who was for the Lord and who was against Him, so many times the voices that were against, he said one of the most underappreciated and understudied is just simply the crowd. He said we have plenty of examples that we want to dive deep into as Christians about um, this person is against me. Let me find that kind of person in the Bible. He said, but we get numb to the effect culture has on us and how angry we can get sometimes and how that just lives inside of us and it's on the tip of our tongue. When we're speaking to people, how that can take effect in us. But, but Paul was able to, because of that direction, see the crowds of the world as people. He could see the crowds of the world as people. Now when he saw them as people, then he was able really to, I believe, look for their message and mission. He was able to see things for what they were. And you may say, well, I know I, this group or this political party, like I know what their message and mission is. Okay. Well, hang on a second, just, just stick with me. Um, after he, he saw their message and mission, he was able to use his voice and his platform that God gave him. Now, his platform was different from those that originally said, hey, don't, don't go in front of this group, but, but then later he went in front of this group. Your platform, your voice is going to be unique to you. It's not going to be the same for me. Um, you, some, some of the places you go, you have much more influence than I can ever have. In some of my life environments, I may have some influence that you may not have. That's God using all of us. It's the beauty of it. Okay? Here's something important to remember. When, we, when, when I go back to this thought of like not just, not just lumping um, an angry message or something we don't believe in and we just kind of like, oh, I'm just against that. Here's, here's the danger. Jesus doesn't save culture, he saves people, right? Like, there are some movements and some political parties, you're like, God, I'd like, either take them out or take them up, like, do something. Like, they are driving me crazy. God's not going to likely just go, all right, bippity-boppity-boo, change, like, you, now you just have different opinions. But he will save people. And save people become disciples, and disciples become a culture. Disciples are used to go out and be missional. Just like we're, we're, we're supposed to be every moment that, we, that, that we're living, we're breathing. We get used by the Lord. Man, I, like, I, I don't know. And again, I tell you, I mean, this is one of those messages as, as I've been studying. And I've, been, I, I've, loved, I've loved, you may not like it, but I've loved this journey through Acts. Because in so many ways it speaks to how do we live, how do we live led by the Holy Spirit? How do we see God work through us in this generation, this season of life. And, and right now, unless I'm wrong, and, and I don't watch the news as much as, as some people do, I, I know, but, but right, I mean, we, we get it. Like, there's, there's so much frustration and anger that we're here. Like, there, it's just, it's bombarding. But, man, I believe the kingdom of God is alive and well. Right? And, and, and the kingdom of God isn't. I mean, we're going to get y'all in the end. This isn't a playground bully, like, argument, right? Like, this is looking across the playground and seeing somebody and going, man, God loves you. 
and, and, and your life can be captivated by Jesus like it was mine. And I want to talk to you. And really figuring out through the leading of the Holy Spirit for you and for me, all of us individually, where's our place? Where's our place? So here's what I want to let you know. Um, and, and, and I want to just kind of just throw this out. If you're at a season in life where you really feel kind of the heaviness and the bitterness over just things that are just bombarding you, and, and it is, it's everywhere, please know that, that as, as, a, as a pastor, I, I'm always praying for you. And I'm sure many people are. But, but one thing we have to do as we, as we have relationships with each other is, is, carry, um, is carry prayer also into conversations. And if it's affecting you, if, there, if there's people around you that are saying, hey, listen, like, I think this is really, this is really changing you. Like, this is, this is causing a hardness. Because we read in these stories that, that against the gospel, there's a hardening of hearts. But we, but we have to have tender hearts towards people if they're going to be our mission. And, and, and if you sense that inside of you, man, let, let, let's, let's meet, let's talk about that. Let, let's be in the word together about that. Let's ask God to work in us over the journey of life to, to allow us to have Jesus as our message and, and people as our mission. Because I believe there's a lot of Christians that are, that are struggling with that right now. And it's easy to struggle with that. But also, in the culture that we're going to live in, I want us to have all senses really alive and awake. So whether it's at work, at home, at the school that you're around, whatever it is, we see the platform, we see the environment that God is giving us for, for His kingdom good, His kingdom purpose. Can we pray together? Father God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Lord, help us as your children, God, to really grow and, and just understand and see, Lord, what does it mean, um, God, to, to be redeemed by Jesus to the point that we have such a love for people that we can live in a season of existence in our country, in our state, in our city, in our homes, in our work, Lord, that we can have a heart that's tender to the anger and the frustration that exists out there. Lord, sometimes over things that are absolutely unjust, sometimes it's over just hatred or bitterness, and, and sometimes it's just personal agenda. It's just selfishness like we saw in Demetrius. But Lord, for, for all of those people, God, help us to not fall under the temptation of living bitter lives and angry lives to where the voice of love and truth of Jesus gets masked. Lord, you've never called us to be a soft Christian who doesn't speak up. Lord, we pray that as you give in your word, give us directed, Holy Spirit-led boldness to stand up for the kingdom. God, help us to be firm in our faith and confident in how we've grown in knowledge in you. Because there, God, there are things that you and your word speak against. So as we reflect the image of Jesus, what he taught was sin, we need to teach that it's sin. The people that are broken, we need to be able to teach sin, but also have a heart that can go to the broken. And sometimes, Lord, brokenness, brokenness is not always humble, and it's not always weeping. Sometimes brokenness is tough and hard and angry. So God, equip us for this journey. Make us useful in your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing?